Well, hey, we are in the middle of a series called Isaiah 40, and if you're interested, I'm pulling, and next week will be the last week of Isaiah 40, and then I'm going to go into a series called I Am His, and I've been pulling all this from the Amplified Bible, and the classic, this, I didn't know this, because my, my Bible, uh, my first Amplified, I bought in 1995, or I was given 1990. Taylor was like four, when, <laughs> if that gives you any perspective, um, and so I finally got a new one, and they don't, they don't make the 87 uh, rendition of it. They call it a new Amplified. Well, I like the classic one. It's, it's much, much better in my opinion. And so I had to go on eBay and find this one, and I didn't even want burgundy, and it's used, and I'm looking at it like, probably some old lady's dead. <laughs> and I just bought her Bible. <laughs> I don't know why that came to my mind, but it's used on eBay. Anyway, it's just things that come to your mind when you're thinking about stuff. Well, let's jump right in. We're in Isaiah 40, 11. He will feed. This is talking about God. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arm. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead them. Those who have their young. God longs, your first feeling, God longs to treat us like he designed that remember from last week that this is a, a letter from God to his people, that he wants to, he wants to change the way we see him. That in this, in this particular uh, part of Isaiah, it says, your next feeling, feed his flock. That you were designed for all of your needs to be met by God. Not just your, your financial needs, but, and not just your physical needs, but your emotional needs. Your spiritual needs. Those needs that nobody else knows about, that God longs to fulfill those. He said he would carry you. And in carrying you, if you go to the next fill-in, carrying you that you were never designed to do things in your own power. That is way, way good news to me. By the way, hey to everybody that's joining us by Facebook. And if you don't mind, share us if you don't mind. That God longs to, that he longs to have me operate in his power. That is a good deal. I don't care who you are. That he uh, will gently lead. I like the Amplified because it says that he will gently lead. Every one of your steps, God plans on leading you through them. There's a lot of times that Jonathan tries to do stuff on his own. That Jonathan tries to take care of stuff on his own. That Jonathan thinks, well, this is Jonathan level taking care of. If it's a bigger one, maybe God would take care of the bigger ones. But God said, I want to lead you. I want to take care of. I want to direct even your little steps before me. Isaiah 40, verse 12, it says, "He, I love this one. He who measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, he marked off the heavens with a nine-inch span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure. He weighed the mountains in scales and hills, a balance. Now, let me illustrate something real quick before we go any further. Is that Michael, come up here real quick because I want to show you something. Believe this scripture right here because part of it says, part of it says that he marked off the heavens. Jump up here, bro. What, marked off the heavens. We're talking about this universe and the universe beyond it and the universe beyond that universe. And the Amplified said with a nine-inch span. I want you to hold your fingers like that. Flip this around here. Flip, put your thumb like towards your shoulder. Not like right there. Come on, work with me, bro. 
There we go. Right there. Guess how many inches that is? It's nine. It's pretty cool. Thank you. Y'all give it up for Michael. You're live on Facebook, bro. That's a nine-inch span. Let me, let me show you right where it holds. That's the width of a man's hand or a human's hand. Did you get that? That God marked off this universe. Remember, you were made in his image and after his likeness. I think we're going to be surprised when we see God face to face. We're like, you look like us. Or maybe the other way around, we look like you. And this maker of all the universe and all creation marked off the heavens. We're talking about billions and trillions and gazillions of miles of space. And he marked them off with the span of his hand. I like this other illustration. If you'll leave that scripture up, it says um, that he enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure. If you're up here, it says measured out the waters in the hollow of his hand. If you think about all the water that's not only in this planet but in the world, I don't know how much water that is. I know this planet holds a lot of water. And Isaiah, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said God measured out the waters in the hollow. Lambda, come up here real quick. I want to show something real quick. That I got some purple glitter because I thought this was more fun than finding water or dirt. And then he looked good in his cat shirt. I found him the perfect thing at, at Walmart today, but I, it didn't have his size. It was a full-fledged cat suit, top to bottom, with a hood and everything. We're going to have to find your size. So if we think about this, put this glitter in your hand. That Look at that. I just poured just a portion of that. And in the hollow of his hand is just that much, let's say, water or dust, as that scripture says. You want to taste that glitter? Taste it. Go ahead. Try it. Try it. Try it. Put it in your mouth. <laughs> now lick it out of your hand. Go ahead. Try it. <laughs> it's, he doesn't know it's edible glitter. <laughs> I went to the bakery second. You can eat it if you want. It's candy. Now he's like, oh, okay. Now. <laughs> There you go. Oh, no, really, Rob, it's just kidding. It's real glitter. <laughs> but can you imagine that? That Isaiah talks about God hollowing, weighing out the earth, the universe, all creation, and water in the hollow of his hand. Your next villain, God made everything we see with his hands, and, and we wonder if he knows what he's doing in our life. Have you thought about that? Like, God, do you know how to take care of my situation? And he's like, dude, I made the world. <laughs> I made the universe. I made things you've never seen in your life, and you're trying to figure out if I know how to fix you. God made everything we don't see with his hands. Here's the cool part about your spirit. Oh, can I help somebody tonight? Your spirit was handcrafted by God himself. That you, your spirit, the part of you that will live forever was handcrafted. So Jonathan, I've never seen my spirit. I don't know what my spirit looks like. You don't have to see it to know that he made it. The spirit that he put inside of us, here's how he designed it, will live forever with him. That there's something inside of you right now. That there's something alive on the inside of you right now that was designed to live with him forever. That he designed our spirits to be drawn to him. 
Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that say, I don't need God. I don't need religion. I don't need religion either. I don't need the things of the Lord. I don't need the Bible. I don't need Christianity. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't need all the, the, the exterior stuff of it, but your spirit was designed to need a God. He designed you that way. So no matter where you go, that your spirit, your innards, your insides were designed to be drawn to him. One day, we're going to be just like him. I like this out of uh, 1 John 3, 4. It says, but we know that when Christ appears, when Jesus Christ appears, I love this right here, we shall be like him. For he shall, we shall see him as he is. And when we say, we see you for as who you are, Jesus Christ, then we realize, hey, I'm just like him. I'm made, I'm made just in the way that he is. That our spirits, here's the love, love this truth right here, that our spirits are already like his. Do you realize that inside of you right now, that spirit of God, that renewed spirit, if you've been born again, that spirit that's been put on, crafted and designed by God himself, that spirit is already just like God. That you don't have to wait. You don't have to get your life in order. I mean, that wouldn't hurt. But (laughs) you don't have to figure it all out and repent of all your sins, even the ones you don't. You can do all that. That's great. That's scriptural. But your spirit that's going to live forever, is already in his likeness. Isaiah 40, 14, it says, he who, who, I like this question right here. It says, who has directed the spirit of the Lord? It says, or as his counsel has taught him. Has anybody directed the spirit of God? Who who gives him counsel? Go to verse, uh, verse 14. With whom did God take counsel? Whom did he set up a meeting with at Starbucks to try to figure stuff out? Goes on to say that instruction might be given to God. Who taught God the path of justice? Lots of us talk about justice these days. I want to go to the author of justice, the maker of all. Who has taught him the path of justice? Who has taught him knowledge and shown him the ways of understanding? That we really have, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, look at your next feeling. We have foolishly thought that God needs our direction and our understanding. Have you ever said or thought or had a place where you're like, God, do you know what I'm going through? Do you know what it's like to be? Do you know how I feel? Do you know what my circumstances are? And God said, not only do I know how you feel, I made you. That we have foolishly thought. God, let me help you in my situation. Let me help you with what I'm believing you for. Let me show you the path that you should take. And we ought to know without a shadow of a doubt and with with absolutely certainty that he can direct and guide every single part of our lives. He already knows the beginning and the end of everything. That we may be in, be in a situation where, God, I don't know how this started, and I don't know how it's going to finish, but God says, I do. I already know your beginning, and I already have your end planned out. That we've exchanged needing his direction and counsel to advising God. That a lot of people think, well, the Bible is full of fallacies. That this belief in and something higher or bigger than yourself is, has holes in it and foolishness. 
so be it then, as far as I'm concerned, because I need him. That I'm not going to pretend that this finite brain that's held in this bald head knows the ways of God fully. That his ways are always bigger and better than mine. I lost my place there. For you. Oh, I, I like this in Psalms 24.4. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. That when these people were being spoken to by Isaiah the prophet, that they had lost their way. That they had lost, God, I need you to show me. And I just even as I'm talking about this, I'm thinking of different things in my life and in my world that I say, you know what, I need to seek your ways more fully on that. I like this next in Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 15. It says, behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as small dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the aisles like a very little thing. When I was starting to study Isaiah 40 and actually what made me decide to do this series, this was the first scripture that I had gone to. And I love how it starts. It says, behold, the nations. Now, nations can stand for people groups, but I like to also think about that it can stand for governments, that it can stand for masses of people. You know, we really have come to a place where we think that certain governments in the world that may be anti-God, anti-American, that they have more power than God does. That we think that certain uh, maybe civilizations or secular ways of thinking that, that they have a, a bigger influence or, or more power or deeper thinking than God does. And Isaiah had a revelation Inspired by the Holy Spirit, he said, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and counted as small dust. You know, I'm thinking about maybe something like North Korea that's been in the news lately. You know, they're threatening to have nuclear weapons that they'll fire upon Japan or South Korea or the United States that they can reach uh, uh, Alaska or Hawaii or whatever, and that in God's sight, he has no fear of what evil men can do. Because he, they are just a drop in the bucket when it comes to who he is. I like this illustration right here. Ben, can you come help me real quick? I'm getting everybody up here. Ben's not on the camera. Come on up, Ben. I want you to help me something because I got this microphone and I can't do very much. This is a bucket, by the way. And in the Hebrew, this is a bucket. All right. So pull that bottle of water out of there. Pull the bottle of water out. And I want you to illustrate something, Ben. Come over here so everybody on Facebook Live can see how handsome you are. This is our drummer extraordinaire right here. Open that water up. And I want you to put in this bucket that's uh, five gallons. That's a lot of milk. Does anybody drink that much milk or have that much cereal? I want you to just, just a drop, just a drop, Ben, just a drop. That's enough. That's way too much. That's three times what it should be. Now, I want you to see that in there. You can't even see it. Maybe. Maybe way down in there. Look, I can even hold this bucket almost totally sideways, and still the water's in there. Y'all get it up for Ben. Thank you, Ben. You can have that water, too. God bless you. I paid nothing for that water, so it's free for you as well. Do you, do you see this? You see, you see this bucket right here? I may do this. I may just decide to go down my sidewalk in my neighborhood and skip with this bucket. I don't even know how to skip. I'm going to skip with this bucket. And I'm going to swing this bucket. I'm going to swing it round and round because 
It's just a bucket with a dab of water in it. Just nothing of water in there. I mean, if you're thirsty and you come drink out of this bucket, you're going to be very disappointed because, one, there's not very much water there, and there's stuff floating in it already. And Isaiah says right here, he says that the nations... He just tackles the whole thing one time. He said the nations are a drop in a bucket or from a bucket and are like dust on the scales. You go home and weigh your dust. I may have a little dust to weigh. (laughs) But, you know, dust is not that big. And I don't tend to weigh it. I tend to wipe it. (laughs) Get rid of my dust. God calls nations compared to him dust. I like that. What does that say? That his strength is immense. Oh, I'm trying to figure out God's strength. I'm trying to figure out if he's big enough, strong enough, wise enough, God enough to take care of my piddly stuff. That my piddly stuff that rocks my world. Anybody else in here, don't raise your hand, but anybody else in here, you're like, your stuff just seems to rock your world. Have you ever had one of those days you're like, I, I cannot take anymore? And then it's like to some person, I can't take anymore, you. Don't point, just. But God isn't worried about my stuff. His power is immense. We cannot imagine. According to Isaiah, we cannot imagine what he can do. And he wants to use, oh, this is good. He wants to use that same power in our lives. All right. (laughs) I'm ready. But it'll come in a place of where I trust what he's doing in my world. I too often want to write a prescription on what God should do And he's wanting to write his precepts on my heart instead. I was talking to one of the the assistant principals at work today, and I was telling her, it's funny that when I'm dealing with something that I don't like about what somebody else is doing, that God never comes down in my quiet time and wholeheartedly agrees with me on why they're not doing such and such right. I want you to know, and I want you, the, I want you to know what he does to me. He comes and deals with my heart on what I feel about them. Can I let you know that's one of my least favorite things in the world? When I feel injustice, as I spit, when I feel that somebody is doing things wrong, And God comes down and says, hmm, here's what you're going to do. I remember that I could not, about five years ago, I could not stand the sight of Barack Obama. Now, if you like Barack Obama, great, because I like him now too. I couldn't stand the sight of him. He would come on the TV and I would punch the TV. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. And do you realize that in my time of not liking who he was or what he stood for, and in the midst of that, that God comes in and comes all the way into my heart, and he says, I don't like where your heart is. 
and said, I am talking about Barack Obama, not about me. And he turned that finger and pointed, I don't like where your heart is. And I'm like, I don't like Barack Obama. And it turned it back around, and I don't like your heart. And I've told this story before, but to this day, because I can pull up my prayer list that I keep on my iPad, I pray for Barack and Michelle Obama and Sasha and Malia every day. Now, I want you to know that when I see him on the TV or whatever, I love him. I don't like everything he does, but I love him. I can, I can see him just fine and not have to put my fist against <laughs> the screen. Where did I leave off? Y'all help me. Did I, did I read the same power in you? Okay, Isaiah 17, 40, 17. All the nations, did I read this yet? All the nations are nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing. <laughs> when God regards you as nothing, you're nothing. An emptiness, waste, futile, worthlessness. God help us. Verse 18, to whom then will God be likened? Or with what likeness will you compare him? That your next feeling, there is nothing and no one like our God. And with, with uh, what do you call it? Great pride, even though pride is not a good thing. There's no one like my God. We have made the wrong things our focus. That we look at what people are doing and how they're living instead of the life that is in God. And we as Christians, I'm not talking about that we don't vote and we don't stand up for what's right. We don't stand up for what's true things. I just saw a thing the other day that we are killing babies at a record rate or at a crazy rate. So we just don't say, oh, well, it's just the way it is. We still stand up for injustice. But at the same time, I don't get thrown into a whirlwind because of what the world is doing. I like what T.D. Jakes said. You know, we, everything got wigged out one time when, when a, the Supreme Court made a decision. T.D. Jakes said the most profound thing. He said, when are we going to stop freaking out for the world acting like the world? <laughs> but I want to complain about them. <laughs> Deuteronomy 30, 20, that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him. Why? Because for the Lord is your life. That we've too often made politics our lives. And what we, how we wanted things to go and what we thought should happen, we've made that our life instead of the Lord your, our lives. We've tried to find life in all the wrong things and then wonder why we come up empty. Have you ever had that place where nothing on the outside seemed to be wrong, but on the inside you were empty? And undone and, and wondering where, where hope was. And if we're real and honest with ourselves and with the Lord, many times we can, we can find that place where he said, I have not put you as first place. I've put what I want as first place. Taylor, if you'll come on down. Let me read these last few of Isaiah. We'll finish Isaiah 40 next week. Let me show you these three verses. To whom will you liken God? Or with what likeness will you compare him? Verse 19, the next one. To graven image, 
a workman casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts silver and chains for it. Go to the next verse. He who is so impoverished that he has no offering or oblation or rich gift to give his God is constrained to make a wooden offering, an idol. So he chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman who can carve and set up an image and will not, will it, and will not trodden or deteriorate. Let me save that last one. Let me, let me show you something that is so prevalent in our world and tries to seep into the heart of a believer. And I'll tell you where we make it our, our images or our gods easily. Look what it says right here. It says that we're, we're going to make an idol, but we're going to choose a tree that will not rot. Or we're going to find a craftsman who's going to make an image that will not totter or deteriorate. That we try to make, we don't realize it, but we make idols in our lives, and then we try to make those idols immortal and omniscient and all-knowing. And many times in our lives, we will make people those idols. Have you, have you ever seen somebody that was involved in a relationship, whether a friendship or a romantic relationship, and that thing ended and they just fell to pieces? I mean, it wasn't just disappointment. It wasn't just let down. It was just a total just destruction of who they were. And can I tell you what that's from? That's from making an idol out of something that has no qualities of being an idol. Like, like Isaiah, he said, we, we tried to make a wooden idol out of a tree and said, well, this tree is, is never going to rot. Or we try to make a, have a craftsman craft us up, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a relationship, and then we expect that it'll never totter and never deteriorate. And when it does then we find ourselves in ruin because we put something before who he is. Watch this last verse. It is God who sits on the circle, the horizon. I like Isaiah. They didn't, they didn't have telescopes and they didn't have uh, satellites. They didn't have anything to back in this time to, to know that the world was round. Many people at that time thought the world was flat. God knows. And he spoke right here to the prophet Isaiah in his spirit, and he said that he, the God who sits on the circle, the horizon of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. And it is he who stretches out the heavens like a gauze curtain and spreads them out. And I like this because this summarizes the heart of God that he's saying through Isaiah that he stretches them out for a tent to dwell in. That God's not looking for followers who can get it all together and have all the right things in place and, and be the model Christian. He's not looking for that. He's not looking for people who, who have it all, that they've got all their life planned out and they are fully and completely trusting God in every way and they skip through the daisies and they whistle through the meadow. No, God is, it's, that's great if that's you, but God is looking for a tent to dwell in and the Word of God tells us that you are the dwelling place of God. What do you do with a God who longs? 
look at your next feeling, that he longs to be the father in our lives. What do you do with a God who longs? That he longs, your next feeling, he longs to direct every part of our lives. That he has a plan for us that we could not comprehend if it was told to us right now that if God sat us down and he placed out all the things that he has for your life, that you would just, you would just stare at it. You would just hold your head. You would, your mouth would drop open. You would maybe be spitting like I am. You could not, we could not comprehend what God has in store for our lives. I like this last thing. He's ready to do in our lives what only he can do. That there is quite a bit that this heart deals with. There is quite a bit that this life encompasses that only he can direct and guide. But can I let you know when you're at that place, and we all need to be at that place, including me, that we're at that place where we say, God, I have no options but you. God, I have no plan B but you. God, I have no hope outside of you. It's one of the best places you can be. One of the most hopeful. And through Isaiah, God was speaking that to his people and I believe that God is speaking that to his people still today. Remember how he started out Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort is my plan for you. And next week, next week, oh my gosh, next week, we're going to have to just, you know, I just, Caitlin, Bree, they're going to probably run around this place and hallelujah chorus. I mean, they're going to be, Melinda, she'll probably have to bring her flags and, you know, how she gets when she gets her flags out and, Every head bowed and eye closed for just a second. God, as we sit here in your presence tonight, we know that you have a plan to fill up every part of us, that there are spaces and places in every single one of our lives that you long to fulfill and fill. And so for every person as they sit here right now in this moment of solitude, that God, you would pour into them everything they need. In Jesus' name, amen.